Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thanks for joining us in this episode of Research and Pharmacy Practice. This series focuses on discussions for all things related to research, including fundamentals, best practices, and practical advice for those interested in contributing to the advancement of knowledge. My name is Amy Barton Alston, and in today's episode, we will be chatting with Dr. Kamakshi Rao from the University of North Carolina and Dr. Katie Cho from Temple University to get their insight on tips for students writing their first research proposals. Welcome and thanks for joining us today. The first question is for Dr. Rao. How can students be confident they have a good research question? Yeah, that's a, that's a hard one for a student, especially when you're writing your first one. How do you know when you've done enough iterations and enough refinement? And I think that's where, you know, really making sure that you've had the right conversations with your co-investigators, in particular your research mentor, can be really important. I think advice I would give to students is, you know, try not to pose the research question in just an email that's like, here's my research question, what do you think? Because um, that can make it really easy for someone to be like, it looks great. Um, so when you are trying to refine your thoughts of a research question, have some prompts. Like, do you think I've picked the right population? Are there any um, confounding factors that I haven't considered? Um, are there any challenges or barriers that you think could get in the way of me being able to do this research? I think having those questions forces a mentor or the person you're asking about the validity of your question, forces them to think about it a little bit more and give you meaningful feedback. Um, so as I said in the, in, the, in the session, that iterative process of socializing your question, but socializing it with context mm-hmm. um, so that the person understands why you're asking them to look at that question can really push you towards feeling a lot more confident that at the end you're walking out with a question that is really, really well constructed to lead to success. That's great. I love this idea of, you know, the prompts with context because Dr. Cho and I were just discussing this. It's really such a great tone to a meeting when a student comes in interested. And mm-hmm. so even if you're not entirely sure, just having some context, I think, is, is very helpful. Uh, we talked a lot about the in- Institutional Review Board <laughs> at various institutions, which can be very heterogeneous. Do you have tips for students to navigate the IRB? Is it a combination of their mentor and the formal training? Or what do you think is the most beneficial or the order in which to start? Yeah, I think, you know, I know um, many institutions will offer students the opportunity to go through what's called city training. Um, And I think that's a, even if your project doesn't require certain IRB or city training, it's a skill set and an awareness around how we do research that can be so useful at different points during your career. So I would encourage students um, to really lean in and go through city training um, because then when you do it again in three years, because you have to repeat it every so often, it becomes easier and easier. It becomes more part of your natural dialogue and things that you're aware of. You know, navigating the IRB, it feels very daunting because it it is a very important purpose that it serves. Um, But I think if you can go into the process understanding that the purpose of the IRB isn't to make research difficult, it's honestly to bring structure and thoughtfulness to the process, it can make it feel a little less onerous. Um, A couple of the tips I would uh, suggest might be, I have a couple well-written IRBs that I keep on a file on my computer. And so when I have residents or students that are like, what is a good 
IRB look like, or if you have an exemption process or a non-human subjects research pathway, how do I need to write those up? The way you present your research question and how you write the details about it, that matters to someone who's reading those IRB proposals. So I always keep a couple really good ones in my back pocket to refer to. Um, so ask for those. Ask your mentors, do you have any examples of ones that have worked well? Do you have ones that are similar to this that I can sort of you know, riff off of as I'm building mine? Um, and then as you're doing your IRB, never do it like in the IRB system from scratch. Like print out what the IRB application looks like, draft it up in a Word document, um, and then highlight where you have questions. Because um, it can be very hard for a mentor or an advisor to look at the full IRB application and figure out where you missed a step. Um, so if you print it out and have your prompts ready and have them drafted, and then you can ask questions there, again, those prompts that you're offering to your mentors are going to really help them focus in and give you feedback um, in a way that's going to make you more likely to be successful with that first iteration of the IRB. Yeah, I think that's great advice, and I really appreciate this whole notion of having some great IRB proposals on hand, because it really is a lot of times the verbiage, and it might even be IRB-specific about what verbiage resonates with them about you know certain aspects of research, so I think that's great advice. That's right. So moving on to Dr. Cho. Is there a role for men multiple mentors? I know you discussed this a little bit during the session, but if there is a role, how might that all triangulate in terms of several mentors playing a role in your project? Sure, I think there absolutely is a role for multiple mentors. People have different areas of expertise, and it's unfair to expect one person to be the end-all be-all, right? Um, and so having that person that is a point person for statistics, for writing, for IRB, for clinical content, and sometimes there may be overlap, uh, will be really helpful. I think though the challenge can be, well, what if I get a comment from one mentor that says I should make this change, but the other mentor says, no, no, it's fine the way it is you know your project the best. You are the expert there, right? So ask yourself, what is the most pressing issue here? If it's just style, is it something that you can live with and you can learn? Or if it's something that in their area of expertise, it will not get approved by IRB, then you may want to listen to that person. Yeah, I think that's sound advice. And really is sort of a platform for interpersonal skills on a different level. You, you build that clinically, and I think a lot of students become savvy there, but research is a different enterprise and requires a little bit of a different navigation, so uh, it's very key. What tips do you have for students to navigate uh, potential conflicts with their mentors if they arise? Yeah, we alluded a little bit to, you know, if somebody gives different feedback from one another. We talked about that, but it the big part will be maintaining effective communication. Mm -hmm. If you can communicate effectively, you're professional, you're respectful, um, then it will go a long way. Make sure it's timely, meaning in the heat of the moment, that might not be the best time to send that email. And you also want to be thinking about, is something going to get lost in context or is this a conversation you might want to have in person? How long will you need to discuss this? Um, and again, just making sure that you have all of the complete information. There may be something happening that you're not seeing. So give yourself and give your mentor some grace as you have those conversations. They may be difficult, but it's okay. You've outlined what your roles and responsibilities are. 
Yeah, I think maintaining that openness and setting the tone at the very beginning of the relationship really facilitates, you know, fixing any snags that may occur as you sort of work through the process. And with that, I thank you both really for a great session um, and for contributing to the student programming at ASHP. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for including us. That's all the time we have today. I want to thank Drs. Rao and Cho for joining us today to provide information for students navigating their first research proposal. If you haven't before, I encourage you all to check out ASHP and the ASHP Foundation's research resources. You can find member-exclusive offerings such as the Preceptor Toolkit, the Research Resource Center, and exchange ideas with your peers on the ASHP Education Connect community. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe to the ASHP official podcast for more great content from ASHP. Thank you for listening to ASHP official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.